Welcome to Sibylline Podcasts, part of our insight series where we aim to provide relevant, timely and actionable analysis in a discursive format. We hope you enjoy listening and welcome any feedback. Please visit our website for more insight series updates. And as always, like, subscribe and share. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to our latest Sibylline podcast. I'm Amy Reynolds, Sibylline's Deputy Insight Manager, and I'm joined this week by Dr. Hugo Yu, our Lead Analyst for Asia Pacific and Cyber, and our Cyber Intelligence Analyst, Hans Horan. And today we're going to be discussing the elevated cyber threat that many businesses are currently facing as a result of work from home arrangements brought on by the pandemic. Hugo Hans, thank you both very much for joining me. So we've got a, a really interesting topic of discussion for today, which has relevance for you know, all businesses really, where staff are currently working from home and are using different technology and different systems to usual. But it's the recent SolarWind cyber attack that has really kind of brought the spotlight onto this area and has sparked our conversation today. So on that note, uh, to come to you first, Hans, the SolarWinds supply chain attack caught many people off guard um, due to the wide range of companies and government agencies that were compromised by the alleged Russian state-sponsored hackers. Has this incident therefore changed the way that governments, particularly the US government, will deal with cybersecurity looking ahead? That's a great question, Amy. And to a certain extent, as you said, it, it caught many people off guard because of how initiative and, and how different this particular attack was from what we had seen prior to this, uh, just to give an example of this and kind of give the listener a bit of understanding of what actually we mean when we say the solar winds attack is the idea that essentially it's a supply chain attack where the alleged Russian hackers targeted the software that solar winds provided for their clients, so that being government or private companies, and they essentially took the process which software developers use where they'll break open the quote unquote quality seal that they use to make sure it's not tampered with. And they waited until the moment before the software update went out to their to their clients. And then they altered it to allow them to essentially put in a back door from which they could then target and manipulate the, the SolarWinds clients. And it's, it's a very interesting kind of new way that the US government isn't really prepared for. Uh, to give an example, Chris Krebs, who formerly worked for the U.S. government before he was unceremoniously fired by Trump, basically said that upwards to 90 or 95% of threats that the U.S. government see are known techniques or known threat vectors that they can prepare for. And uh, in, in this case, this is one of this falls in that 5% that they just weren't prepared for, so much so that, they're, um, that their security system, quite funnily known as Einstein, was... Is, couldn't detect it at all. And to a certain extent, they even said that it's not prepared to scan for software updates. To that extent, they basically said that we don't know how to detect this. We have no idea how to detect this type of attack vector. So in terms of trying to understand how this is, how governments are going to have to change their way of thinking, they're going to have to start looking at not only figuring out how we can further detect known attack vectors and known techniques, but also look out for that 5% of uh, activity that they don't know about, the ones that, you know, these threat actors, these, these state, particularly state actors are looking to develop so they can go under the radar. Great, thank you very much for that, Hans. It, yeah, it certainly does sound like, as you say, that we're dealing with quite a new quantity here in the cyber realm. So yeah, definitely potential to drive a kind of evolution in the 
in the kind of cyber security realm as well. And so, you know, in terms of the actors here, beyond the Russian state, have we seen any other cyber threat actors launching similar types of operations to the SolarWinds attack? And, you know, if so, is there any clear indication as to why these actors have been launching these attacks? Yeah, most definitely. We've seen a number of them since in, in the wake of the SolarWinds attack, but it should be noted this is not a new threat factor. This isn't something that the, the Russian government came up on their own. It is something that they've made notorious at this point and really brought to the forefront for governments and, and for companies. But uh, to kind of go back to the point of what we've seen since the SolarWinds attack is we've definitely seen other threat actors such as, for instance, Beijing, or we've even seen some non-government threat, threat actors take advantage of this as well. So for the most notable one we've seen since the SolarWinds is the Microsoft Exchange software supply chain attack. Uh, much like the SolarWinds, it, it, used, it used a vulnerability in their exchange software to target Microsoft's clients. We've attributed this with a pretty high confidence to the Chinese state affiliate group uh, known as Hafnam. But again, it, it's hard to really pinpoint which of the Chinese actors actually launched the attack. But again, that that's for for market for the uh, for Microsoft's case, they, they've attributed to this particular group. In the more kind of recent weeks, we've seen uh, also another couple, we've seen the Kokov supply chain attack. So Kokov is a software development or software analysis firm, if you will, they helped, they help companies and software developers uh, work on their on their software itself. And they recently also disclosed that they uh, were subject to a supply chain attack that resulted in hackers, uh, unknown hackers at this particular moment at the time of recording, uh, exfiltrate sensor credentials from their clients. With these credentials, the hackers then used to, they, they used them to steal or exfiltrate information from their, from their uh, servers themselves. So I think some notable clients of, of Kokov would be IBM or Hewlett Packard Enterprise, or even I believe also the Washington Post is, is potentially also a client of theirs. But in that, in that sense as well, we've seen kind of this increasing focus on supply chain attacks from what it appears to be state actors. And then I think even today at the time of recording, we saw uh, SonicWall, which is a cybersecurity company, just announced that they also experienced a supply chain attack where, at the, again, unknown hackers used a vulnerability in their email security product to target their clientele, where this one's uh, developing as, as we speak. So it's a little bit unsure about what was targeted, who was targeted, what type of information was exfiltrated, if there was information exfiltrated. To, so it's, it's a constantly developing kind of atmosphere and it's a constantly developing threat vector that, that we really, we're really starting to try to figure out and trying to understand the best way of handling this in terms of handling it and how people have been trying to mitigate the risk posed by this, in terms of the Microsoft attack, the US, the US's gov the US government, particularly the FBI, disclosed on 13 April that they were they launched a court authorized cyber operation to remove uh, the malicious web shells. So web shells are a code that allows the hackers to access said uh, servers that they're targeting. They basically to remove these particular web shells to then allow to better secure both the agencies who have failed to update uh, and, and patch the servers that were compromised by the Microsoft Exchange uh, supply chain attack, and, but also to patch the private companies that are critical to the US security. So we're looking at any kind of big 
multinational company that makes use of uh, Microsoft Exchange products or services. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's becoming a very hot topic, especially within the Biden administration. Uh, it's something that he's very much tried to focus on during his first couple of months in office. And he's, he's kept to his promise to a certain extent in, in that regard. Okay, very interesting. Thank you, Hans. Yeah, sounds like a few of the usual cyber suspects there that, that kind of may be getting involved in this area. So then turning to you, Hugo, um, have these kinds of attacks only been launched by state-linked actors or, you know, are there some other culprits out there that we should be aware of? Yeah, that's a great question, Amy. Um, <clears throat> certainly from what we have seen um, through uh, cybersecurity monitoring, we've seen not just the state-linked actors involving, uh, you know, what Hans mentioned, the supply chain attacks, and on other sort of uh, cyber operations, um, you know, unlike the state link like uh, actor uh, who might be driven by uh, political reasons uh, to conduct such um, malicious activities, cyber criminal groups, for example, the ransom and uh, the ransomware uh, groups, um, they they have been sort of actively uh, ex- exploiting flaws and vulnerabilities of, you know, many commonly used uh, software and services. And, and also, you know, um, for example, the Microsoft email exchange will be implicated in, in, in that sense as well, uh, and to seek financial gains. And so what we're seeing is unpatched or unupdated uh, devices um, that businesses use in their operations that uh, become sort of the most vulnerable in this to this type, type of threats. So what they could do is in addition to making ransom demands they they sometimes for example a group called uh evil uh, may also auction off uh, sensitive data they they stole from these attacks on the dark web and and which could then be obtained or purchased by state link actors so you can see the the, 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 uh, the again the connection could be made to state link actors because for the criminal group they they don't care, you know, uh, who they sell this data for, as long as um, you know they're they're the highest bidder. So, in in sort of a part of the latest trend, we also noticed that you know hackers are taking advantage of uh, unparted un- vulnerabilities, uh, i.e., what we see as a uh, low hanging fruits to ca- cover uh, carry out crypto uh, jack- jacketing, you know, which is kind of a financial motivated um, cyber crime that whereby hackers hijack the target's devices, such as, uh, you know, computers or servers uh, to mine uh, crypto uh, currency. And, and on, on service, it may not have a direct impact on, you know, um, the data security of the uh, business uh, targeted, but it, could, it will likely, you know, very much slow down the operation of their service and their machines, and that could have a you know, implication to uh, to to their operations um, for for the commercial entities sort of uh, you know being being uh, attacked. So I think it is crucial for business to you know maintain a most up to date cyber security features, including installing you know all updates and patches on their devices as a mitigation uh, you know uh, measure. But also I think business need to aware as um, you know Hans uh, alluded to it um, on the you know the case with the solar winds uh, attack that the responsibility of their service providers for spotting and and rectifying 
um, you know, vulnerability uh, in their products. So that's also very important because for the, for the end users, they, they may not know that such an update package may contain uh, a malicious uh, material. Got it. Thanks, Hugo. Yeah, so it sounds like businesses are, are facing threats from a number of different angles here with, yeah, as you say, varied aims and, and motivations. So then I guess lastly, just to provide a bit of a forecast in this area, how do you expect this trend to develop in, say, the year ahead? Yeah, certainly. I mean, looking ahead, you mentioned on the top where, you know, the COVID pandemic uh, and force uh, lockdown and sort of facilitates a lot of needs for support uh, the remote working arrangement. The way we're seeing it, um, the pandemic still uh, reaching on in many parts of the world, and and even when the pandemic's passed, I think that the flexible working arrangement will become more acceptable for many uh, business organizations. So so the reliance on third-party uh, software and servers, and the reliance on ICT service providers uh, will, will be very significant. Um, and that potentially opened the door for, you know, very sort of high risk from, from these, um, what we mentioned, the, the uh, cyber uh, threat actors, um, and to, to be sort of carrying out this type of attack. So that's one thing, but in addition, but also connected to this, we have seen a rapidly increase of digitalization anyway, you know, even prior to the pandemic. So the, the what we're seeing is sort of an interconnectivity of many things that we use in daily life, whether it's mobile phone, cars, or even home appliances. That, that again, you know, raised the, the, the potential uh, risk of cybersecurity, uh, well, cyber threat actors who exploiting any sort of vulnerabilities or flaws in, in this, you know, all connected uh, Internet of Things settings and, and, and try to infiltrate from or explore potential financial gains uh, or steal uh, sensitive data from, from these kind of devices. Um, so that's another thing. So all in all, um, we think, you know, software, developers and, and tech service providers, you know, moving forward, not only would they need to really order their product before and during uh, releasing, um, you know, critical updates, especially security related updates, but also as the case of SolarWinds um, demonstrated that uh, they need to make sure they do the same thing afterwards, um, maintain um, to make sure their updates are doing what they are supposed to do and contain no malicious um, materials. So they will be subject to a much higher due diligence standards. And then lastly, in the long term, this constant race between criminal groups and cyber security community will, will always be there, trying to um, uh, out, out much uh, one another. So, so you know, businesses, regulators, uh, regulators, and tech companies have to really up their game, and facing with uh, a, a, a myriad of, of threats. Um, you know, for the reason that we we, we touched before, and the governments and, and regulators really need to try to at least keep a step forward, or at least not falling too much behind. And so. Potentially, we, we could see more regulations on the ICT sector 
and, and that potentially will raise the onus and responsibility for tech companies and, 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 and potentially would uh, add the causes uh, and the, um, the, the necessity to, to increase their inv- investment on, on cybersecurity. Absolutely. I mean, thank you both very much for sharing your thoughts with us today. Some very interesting takeaways there for our subscribers and listeners. And I look forward to joining you both again soon for further discussion on cyber threats and what they mean for the business community. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Amy. And now I'm joined by Ed Johnson, manager of the Insight team, to share with us his thoughts on what to watch out for around the world in the week ahead. Ed, thank you very much for joining me. Um, So what will you and the team be monitoring? Thanks, Amy. Uh, yes, re- relatively busy uh, outlook at the moment. We've got a, uh, the start of a 10-day peace summit over Afghanistan, which is scheduled to be held in Istanbul from the 24th of April, including the Afghan government representatives of the UN, Qatar, and, and the Taliban. However, there is a little uncertainty over whether the military group will participate, given it has previously said uh, it won't attend any meetings until foreign troops have, have left the country. And obviously, this comes on the heels of President Biden's commitment to uh, withdraw U.S. troops from the country by the uh, the 11th of September. Afghanistan remains a highly volatile situation, and this this uncertainty and and instability is set to persist in the short term, with the prospects for a peace agreement looking pretty unlikely at the moment. Although, in the longer term, any peace agreement would obviously improve the, uh, the situation on the ground there. Moving over to Mozambique, the Southern African Development Community Summit could see South Africa offer to support uh, Mozambique with military assistance in effort to combat militants in the north of the country around Cabo de Gabo. The outcome of the 29th April summit remains uncertain. However, events last month in Parma are likely to concentrate minds uh, towards finding a solution and and support for, for Mozambique. In Russia, protests began yesterday in support of jailed opposition leader Alexei Navalny, with further instances of unrest possible over the weekend uh, of the 24th and 25th of April. I think it's also interesting to note uh, that the 22nd of April will see a meeting between President Putin and his Belarusian counterpart, uh, Alexander Lukashenko, in Moscow, with uh, some rumours perhaps swirling that Lukashenko might use the the meeting to announce plans for closer integration between the two countries, a long-held desire for uh, from the by the Kremlin for, for that integration, uh, which has been previously resisted by by the Belarusians. Great, thank you very much for that, Ed. A nice uh, diverse array of events to watch there. And thanks very much to everyone for listening. Um, please do get in touch with us if you ever have any questions about our discussion topics or our weekly forecast. And we hope you'll join us again next week.